0: You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story.
1: Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. Last week's sermon, we talked about judges, mainly Samson. And my big question for these guys today are like, what are judges? How'd they get the title and all that fun? And what's the story in the cycle of judges? So with us today, Pastor Darren Enns, how you doing today?
2: Doing good. Just got back from Kansas, took a Sunday off. Wow.
1: How was the drive back and forth?
2: Uh, it was it was all right, just all right, fair enough. It's yeah. driving
1: through Kansas and like the you know the plains of hey, Colorado. It's beautiful, man. Uh, where uh, yeah, is it what the cornfields knee high by the Fourth of July?
2: Uh, no, they're they're pretty tall actually. I don't oh. know. If that's I don't I haven't heard that saying before. Oh, okay, yeah. sounds like but a there's, country there's, song. There's more there's more cut wheat fields than cornfields in Kansas.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. In Ohio, it was cornfields, so um, that's what. I like that's a that's a Zach Bryan lyric. Yeah, right. It's a country. Uh, that's a country song. Gotcha. All right, with us today, Pastor Drew Tarwater. How you doing?
3: Good, guys. Good to be with you.
1: Good, good. And I'm Rob Blasey, And questions. We'll start with uh, Drew here with the overview of Judges and what you talked about last week, Drew. What was? Uh,
3: give us the overview of the Judges and what you talked about last week. Yeah, the Judges is probably the one book in the Bible. If you could just delete it, you know, as as a reader, you you read the book of Judges, and it's a strange book. It's an R-rated book in many ways, a reminder that God doesn't sugarcoat anything. And it tells the story of the history of Israel as, after they've moved into the Promised Land, then led by Joshua. Joshua dies, and we see that Israel doesn't have a natural leader. They, they all move into their new regions. They all move into new homes and, and work fields that they didn't plant or build as the Canaanites were pushed out of these areas. And relocated. And then you see that you enter this period where they fall into this really ugly cycle where they stop trusting God and they begin to worship the Canaanite religions and they fall into idol worship and all that stuff. And so they end up getting captured by the Canaanite, uh, some of the Canaanite tribes and leaders. And um, we see that God raises up these judges. And so uh, for about 350 to 450 years, God raises up these really tribal leaders. Um, to to judge their enemies, and for a period of time, Israel would then have peace and, and relief. But then we see the cycle repeat over and over again um, over the course of this period of time. And there's been a we, looking at scripture. There's twelve judges in the book of Judges, um, and then when you get into the book of Samuel, we see Samuel also listed as a judge. So thirteen, if you want to call it, but but really twelve different judges over the course of this like three hundred fifty to four hundred fifty year period okay and then what's the is what's the end of the book Dan? let's start
1: with the end
2: oof uh oh man, the end of the book is so i would say it's jacked up mm. it's so jacked up that even even the the bible project, if you go watch their video, they don't even tell you what happens because they want to keep it you know p g rated essentially so it they they just say that that there's sexual abuse, there's violence, and they just have a poster that goes across that section on their little poster that they draw on it's very disturbing um yeah there's like you you can go read it um but but be willing to if you imagine these scenes it is it is really awful um and and the point of it is that yes it is extremely awful and if we start at the end then we wonder how in the world can they actually get to this point like the whole point of of the of the Israelites, if you remember from Exodus, was that they're supposed to be a kingdom of priests, and they're supposed to represent God to the world. And here, by the end of the book, they pretend they're just as bad as the Canaanites, who they were supposed to, to push out of the land before them. And so at the beginning of the book of Judges, we see that they didn't do this. They did not push out the Canaanites, as Drew said, and then they become just like the Canaanites by the end of the book this this cycle that just goes down so yeah the the end is is awful there's a a civil war where the tribe of benjamin is almost wiped out um and and the tribe of benjamin is where you know paul comes from so they're not completely wiped out but uh it's still it's it's awful there's there's children being sacrificed in the Mm. book there's people being being cut up uh it it's really really awful
1: no and then so the judges like were they all good people drew like how did they get the title judge? Like what was their,
3: how did they get that authority, I guess? Yeah, when you hear the word judge, you think political leader or, you know, political. Powder wig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Powder wig. <laughs> right. Parliament. Yeah. These judges actually were, they were tribal. Some of them were tribal leaders. Other, others of them were just people that God used to actually push back the oppression. So, um, you know, you if think you, of Samson.
2: Isn't it like if, if you go back to, to Moses and his father-in-law gives him advice to raise up like helpers, because mm-hmm. Moses would try to like, he would, he would quote, judge everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, but there yeah. was so much going on that he couldn't do it. And so he appointed people. They're like, you right. know, like as Drew said, like civic leaders, military leaders kind of wrapped up into one.
3: Yeah. And typically the way that they rose to power would be that God would use them to um, defeat an enemy. And so like with Samson, you know, we talked about on Sunday, God gave Samson this power to to begin to defeat the Philistines. When you look at some of the other judges um, like Gideon, you know, God raised him up to bring up an army to lead against the Midianites. And so typically it was a tribal leader. There was a battle of some kind or uh, a couple of them. We don't have a lot of information on, but we know that they went in and defeated their enemies. And so then they would be yeah like a civic leader. They would kind of be in charge of the people. There is some theory that some of this ran concurrently um, that, um, they were, you know, tribal life, imagine tribal life. And so, you know, one of these judges could have been working in Judah while another one was working in, you know, Dan. And so we, we don't, you know, we don't necessarily know this could have been some of that spread, but yeah, these judges um, weren't necessarily political or weren't rich, you know, they didn't have land or they didn't have a lot of power. Um, So there wasn't really a criteria to become a judge. It was really someone that God chose to work in this situation, but the interesting thing is, they you think okay, so God's going to choose somebody who's righteous, and God's going to choose someone who is really on you know following Him. That's not the case. We see that Deborah was a prophetess, and so I think Deborah was probably a um, you know a, someone that God was using and and that had a good relationship with in following the Lord. But a lot of these other judges. I feel like God just used them for a time to, to push back their enemies. And we see some really ugly stuff. So I, don't, I think a lot of them were actually really didn't know much about God, but God just used them in, in a certain time and place.
2: Yeah, God, God still desires to use people. Like just he, he wanted to use his people back then just like he wants to use us now. And the problem was that these Israelites got worse and worse as, as the story goes on. And so God kind of had a, a, a raw a raw crowd to, to pull from, <laughs> to, to use people. And so if God's going to be faithful to his end of the covenant, he has to protect and and allow his people to to have the chance to come back. And so that's that's one thing we see in in, in the book of Judges, is that God is continuing to be faithful, like his people are still there. Uh, of course, we know the end of the story uh, that God was ultimately faithful and, you know, brought about the kings and, uh, you know, Jesus and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, if God's plans are gonna come about, it's these people are are plan a you know they they didn't really have another option, so he had to he had he had to work with with who he had and so even when we read um you know like in in Samson's story, we read that the spirit of God came upon Samson and empowered him to do some of these things um and it's really weird, like wait so God's spirit came upon him and and like made him do this. Well, the, the idea is, isn't necessarily that God's endorsing all of these human choices w- when this happened. It's just he has to work with this crummy group of humans to try and bring about his will.
1: Then who who wrote, do we know who wrote Judges? Like who's the author of the book and telling these
3: stories? Yeah, the c- contemporary theory on this is it was Sam- Samuel. And so we don't Perfect. know for sure. And there's some other theories out there, but many... Um, You know, many Bible scholars think that it was Samuel that wrote it. Samuel is the last judge. Um, You know, Samuel is the one that bridges between judges and King Saul. Uh, So that's the theory. But I think there's some some other theories out there as well. Okay,
1: so that's interesting because it's also like who tells their story. And like usually they say like you know history. You know the victory. You know the victor tells history. And so if they're telling all these stories, it's like they're not. It's not painted through rose colored glasses. It looks like they're pretty.
2: they do not paint their history very well.
1: <laughs> so it's one of those where you go like, Who wrote this and who said, Yeah, this is good a good story of what our history of our, of a
3: of Israel was? It seems like
2: This is useful for my children too. Right. Yeah.
3: Right? Yeah, these were more like campfire ghost stories than they were <laughs> bedtime stories for their kids. Oh wow. And so there's a as you said, there's
1: about twelve or thirteen, depending where you list Samuel like so in the book of judges there's the may 3 to 6 depending how you look at it depending how you do your rankings depending if it's the coaches or if it's the you know the players poll who, <laughs> who who gets the most most votes as the top 3 or 6 you talked about Samson last week but what were some of the other ones that were kind of like the noted judges like if they call it, do they call it major and minor like the prophets this is it like the JV and varsity there's a little bit of that, okay. Yeah,
3: there's a, there's a couple that there's just very very little about, um, you know, a couple sentences for a judge here and there, whereas you know Samson gets gets three full chapters, three four chapters. So I think Shamgar, um, you know, Gideon gets a little bit, Deborah gets a little bit. Uh, so yeah, kind of major major and minor. And so yet yeah, with uh, what
1: are the wasn't there the guy that stabbed the fat king? Is he one of the judges?
2: Yeah. That's that yeah, that's one that I, I spent a little bit of time with a couple semesters ago just studying Ehud. Is his name? Okay. Ehud is fun just because he he's left-handed, which uh was weird. He's also from uh the the tribe that means son of my right hand, and so he's and the literal Hebrew behind it is is uh he was impeded of his right hand, and he's from the tribe which is called son of my right hand. Uh and it yeah, it's just kind of fun. So does And that- so he go ahead rob oh i was like
1: so in that culture it was like did they see it as a like a like right now if you know if you have a you know if you see a kid out there a hard throwing lefty he's got a distinct advantage over a hard throwing righty just because most yeah, people like don't send the see yeah kid it.
2: to baseball camp yeah it's exactly. like exactly
1: <laughs> and but like in that culture was like being left-handed looked as like a I don't, disgrace isn't, isn't the right word but almost like a disability like if you're a left-handed uh,
2: yeah i think so and and one it's really important to the story because he goes in to see the king um, of, of the foreign nation who is oppressing them, whose name is Eglon, and um, he puts his sword on his right thigh because when you draw a sword, you reach across your body, so he reaches his left hand across to his right thigh and pulls it out. Well, every, nobody ever checked the right thigh for weapons when you're going in to have an audience with the king, so they, they just checked his his left thigh because right-handed people stored their thor- swords on his right thigh, and so they missed it. It's like he... he he got in with a weapon to the see the king because of his his left handedness, and then he stabs him. and And the king is fat. Um, Eglon means little calf, and so he's like a fattened calf. And there's like weird <laughs> underlying themes of sacrifice here, and not human sacrifice, obviously. But and then like his bowels discharge, and then Ehud goes and locks the door, and his servants think that the king is like relieving himself in his throne room, and it's just. It's just weird, right? Yeah. This this is the story. Um and and yeah, that's that's how how Ehud delivers the the people is is by by killing this one king who was oppressing them.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And didn't Gideon have a weird story too like he didn't like I always think of Gideon as one of the good judges, I guess. And I think overall maybe I mean, I'm not the judge of the judges.
3: But,
1: <laughs> but like he it nice. seems like he's had some weird stuff going on too.
3: Yeah, Gideon did. You know he, he's he's one of those great Sunday school stories. If you grew up in church, the you flannel went to board camp. stories. Oh, yeah. You
2: guys keep talking about that. I don't know what this is.
3: You didn't have a flannel graph <sighs> wow. board as a kid? Oh man, no. we need, we need to buy one. I so wasn't. You can see I it.
2: didn't grow up Baptist.
3: Yeah, yeah I didn't grow up Baptist
1: it. either. But like probably denominational, it's pretty close.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, you, you do the flannel graph I'm, I'm board. I
2: Mennonite Anabaptist over here.
3: Yeah, you guys probably did you guys missed out. Well, we're, we're going to buy one off eBay and get a flannel graph board in here so I you, right. you know I can start I can using it. it on Sunday. I'm looking Sundays. on Amazon right now. Yeah, do it. Yeah, so Gideon was interesting. So an angel of the Lord shows up. Gideon's hiding in a wine press because he's afraid of the of you know the Midianites. And so he's threshing grain in a wine press. And you don't thresh grain in a wine press. You press olives. You thresh grain on top of the hill. And so he was this, you know, this uh really reluctant, they call him the reluctant prophet, right? And so then the angel of the Lord's like, Gideon, I want you to raise up an army. Gideon's like, I can't do it. The angel of the Lord says, You can. So then he raises up ten thousand guys because they're ready to fight, and the Lord whittles him down to three hundred Based on the last set of requirements on how they drink water from a, you know, how they drink water when they're out in the field, and so then Gideon then these three hundred soldiers, they lead battle against the Midianites. They're successful, and then the people ask Gideon if he if he'll be king, and he says no. And so then Gideon does is after he says no, he goes and he actually um, builds a golden ephod. He builds this thing out of gold and actually leads the people of Israel astray because they start worshiping that that golden ephod they start worshiping this golden statue instead of the lord and it ends up in all kinds of trouble gideon has a bunch of kids and one of his sons ends up killing all of his other sons so he can try to be king and it just sends people into mass hysteria so gideon did a great thing but just didn't know the lord like he should have and by building this golden statue sent israel into this terrible spin so it's of, like it's of evil through.
2: His follow through right. was just awful. Like he right. he made the shot, but didn't follow through at the end. Yeah,
3: so It sounds
1: like he's also like just the synopsis of the whole book where it's it's cycles where it's like, hey, we trust Jesus. We trust God. Then we go look somewhere else.
2: Yeah, right. Chapter two actually gives you an overview of what's going to happen in the rest of the book. And there's the cycle of the people are sinning and therefore they get oppressed by by a foreign nation. And then they realize the error of their ways and they repent. And then God raises up a judge to deliver them and they experience peace for a time. But very soon that peace turns back into sin where they get complacent. And it's the cycle over and over that happens. Oh, I don't know how many times. I think it's over 10 times. Uh, or about sometimes in in the book of Judges, and that's why by the end, if you imagine the cycle of of sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, peace, sin, et cetera, et cetera, that's how we get to the awful story that we have at the end. It's like what, like what, what's the point of all this? It's like we need. There's something wrong with us. There must be man. We, we we need someone to help us to save us
3: out of this.
1: It's mm. like we've never heard the story. It's like I'm glad this doesn't happen today anymore. We're like cycle. <laughs> no.
3: Right. Yeah. Sin, consequence, cry out to God, God rescues, things get easy again. And then you sin again, consequence. It's just this ugly cycle. And you see it just, it get more and more worse, you know, as they, as they go. There's another really terrible story. This is maybe, if if I had to be honest, this might be my, the, the story I hate the most in the entire Bible. Um, and every time I read it, I just cringe, but it's of the judge Jephthah, which is a really interesting Interesting uh, name, Jephthah, J e p h t h a h. To just hmm. so many H's, but it's, it's like they pulled judges- his name out of a Scrabble bag. I know. Seriously, <laughs> uh, it's in <laughs> Judges eleven. But he, so he, Jessa, he, It's just a crazy story. So he was a mighty warrior, the son of a prostitute, and um, Jephthah's half half-brother, brothers drove him away. And then in Judges ten through twelve, we see that he delivers Israel from their enemies. But then the way his story ends is horrible. So he God uses him to deliver judgment on the enemy. But you find out through his actions that Jephthah really didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything really about the law. Mm. He didn't know anything about what it looked like to, to follow God or worship God. And so um, basically what Jephthah did was he made the comment um, that he was going to, after he defeated the, the Ammonites, he wants to honor God with a sacrifice. And so he says, well, the nef- the next thing that that I, basically I see that is I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord as a burnt offering. It's and whatever his, comes out
2: of the door of my house, yeah, I will sacrifice. Right. Yeah, and it's, house, his,
3: yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And so guess what walks out of his house? I mean, why, why would you say that anyways? Like maybe if you said whoever crosses the hill or, you know, it shows he has no clue how to honor God through worship it, and so guess who walks out of his house? His daughter. And so he thinks now, well, I've made this vow. I need to keep it. And so um, basically they mourn for two months. And, and then his daughter, she agrees to it. And then he sacrifices his daughter, and which is the way the Canaanites would honor their gods. And so it just shows you that these Israelite judges still had no clue what it even meant to worship God. And you wonder, God, why did you leave that story in in the Bible? I mean, gosh, that's such a terrible situation. But I think again, it's showing the depravity of Israel at this time and what they needed was a savior. And it points us to our need for Jesus.
1: No, it's crazy to think about. Like it's it's the Bible's not doesn't wear rose-colored glasses that tell stories. It doesn't, you know, polish things up, it doesn't take off the rough edges. It's just some rough and tough reading in there and like, if we could, I mean, it's easy to, in the, like, we keep talking. It seems like a really, like, a regular topic with, like, the Israelites where it's like they look, the story of the judges where they have, you know, faith, no faith, come back. And what. so the question with, my, with the judges in here, too, is, like, we had Moses and Aaron. What's the time frame of the judges before we get to Samuel? Like, I know some of it's all, like you were saying earlier, happened congruently what's the approximate timeline of this you know how long have the israelites been out of egypt now how long have they been in? you know it's what's what are we looking at on the timeline
2: i think as as far as i know it's about the 14th century bc 1300 mm -hmm. 1400 when this whole thing first starts Mm -hmm. uh and then somewhere around 300 350 years after that um david most people think that that the year 1000 bc it's like the, and right at at that time was about when david was reigning okay so you know give or take a you know 10 who knows how many years before that when saul happened and then that's kind of when samuel happened too
1: okay so it's the, the whole judges from you know egypt is about 300 years so it's a number of generations yeah i mean if you think about like the history of the united states that's similar you know in the big scheme of things like it's where you know where it landed, because we're what three hundred some. Wait, am I doing my math mm-hmm. right? History
2: two hundred fifty ish, right from yeah. seventeen seventy. Yeah, plus two fifty is about twenty.
3: Yeah, 20. yeah. There's been some yeah. research done actually that looks at the the rise and fall of nations, and what you see in the Book of Judges is pretty similar to what you see in just uh you know you look at some of the rise and fall of historical nations. You know, you start off strong, you had these cycles, but it continues to, to drive worse and worse culturally until the nation falls apart. And you see that for sure here, here in Israel. And so, yeah, this bridges up to Samuel. Samuel is going to be your last judge. And then we get into the book of 1 Samuel where we see the people ask for a king. And that's what we're actually going to talk about this coming Sunday. And so then you move from the period of the judges to the period of the kings with Samuel, David, Solomon, and then um the the way the kingdom then falls apart. So yeah, there's a lot of you know you you do see this cycle that continues through their trip to the Exodus, through Judges, and even you'll see it when they uh, get to the time of the kings.
1: No, it's a cra- It's just crazy to think about this cycle that just keeps happening. And then we it's it mirrors. At uh, least I can say for myself, it seems like it mirrors my life. Where you go like, hey God, yeah, God came through, great. Okay, I got the rest. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, oh God, come in again, come in again here. Drew, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I think the
3: when you look at like what's the point, and you see what you know, what you just said, Rob. Like I think the Israelites in Exodus and the Israelites in the Book of Judges, they show us ourselves, right? We see that we fall into these ugly cycles of sin and consequence, and crying out to God, and God rescues us, and then spiritual amnesia again, and all that stuff, and, and so I think it's it just. God uses all of this to show Israel that that what they needed was a was a better king. You know They needed somebody greater than Moses. They needed somebody greater than Joshua. They needed somebody greater than Samson. And we're going to see that all the way through the Old Testament. And we see that with the culmination of Jesus, that Jesus is what we need. Jesus is the one that God's been setting us up to see that we need, the Messiah, the Savior. And so I think when we look at Judges and we go, Man, God, God, why did you leave this book in here? It's such a terrible book. It's to remind us of human depravity because we can sometimes get to the point where we think, well, people are pretty good, right? Like people are good people. Like, you know, people aren't inherently bad. And you say that, man, if you give people over to their own devices and let them worship whatever their heart wants to worship, it leads you down a really bad path. And that's why we need Jesus to come and change our hearts. So I think there's still a lot of value in reading the book of judges, even if it's a tough read. No, that makes sense. So
1: yeah, as, as we wrap this up, any parting thoughts here, Darren?
3: Uh, Next week, our our
2: goal is actually to bring in a a guest lecturer. Um, One of my professors at at Denver Seminary, his specialty is in archaeology and the books of Joshua and Judges and what happened when the Israelites moved into the land of Canaan. Uh, So he knows a lot about archaeological evidence. He knows a lot about the time um, from converting to the Bronze Age to the Iron Age, which happened during this time. Um, and he knows a lot about what life was like in biblical Israel and how that impacts our reading. And so that's uh, hopefully going to happen uh, for our next week's podcast if everything plans out.
1: No, that's that's exciting. I'm looking forward to talking with him. If you have questions or things you would have one answered, send them to us here at life at ForefrontChurch.tv. Or if you're at Forefront on Sundays, drop off the questions in the boxes in the back of the worship center. You can use the communication card we have there. So let us know what your thoughts, your questions, we'd love to answer them for you, or at least try to answer them the best we can. So once again, we thank you for listening. Pastor Drew Tarwater, Pastor Darren Enns, thank you so much, and I'm Rob
0: Blasey. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story, podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.